Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Welcome back to the Blueprint to Success interview series, providing unique blueprints, tactical knowledge, and best practices to navigate the critical points in the football ecosystem so athletes and parents can prepare a plan to a career path that any athlete can bank on. So today, we have a special guest. Um, Man, we just welcome the ambassador, international dawn of recruiting founder, Brandon is the Brandon Collier is the founder of CEO of PPI Recruits, a recruiting database placement program for American international uh, football players looking to play in the college football ranks. Brandon and his company has helped over 50 international kids get full scholarships to NCAA schools, including some of the most prestigious universities such as Yale, Notre Dame, University of Michigan, University of Virginia, and many more. I'll throw Penn State in there because I know we got somebody from him before. <laughs> Brandon's goal is the the grow the game of American football while giving young adults living outside the United States an opportunity to reach their dream and many thought that was unattainable, which is playing American football. He is looking for motivated people to join his team and help each teach kids bring to the United States through American football. Brandon's time trailblazing an entrepreneur in the football recruiting industry. He was also a second uh, junior in the history of UMass football program to be named captain and two-time all-CAA selection at defensive line. Let's welcome the ambassador, Brandon Collier. Welcome, bro. Man, thanks for having me, man. Like I said, I'm a big fan of yours as well, man. So, thank, like I said, thanks for reaching out, man, to get me on the call, man. I was hoping that you would do it one day because, I mean, you're spreading the same kind of vision that I'm spreading. So, man, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Oh, man, thank you for having me. And what part of, now, where are you part of the world are you in right now? I'm um, based out of, I would say, almost, I would say, Frankfurt, Germany. So I'm in a city called Wiesbaden. Um, as I said, it's an American military uh, community here, so many people know it from that. But it's about 30 minutes outside of Frankfurt. So I've been living here since 2013. So I've been living here almost 10 years now, man. It's, it, time went so fast. So. Wow, man. So literally globalizing the game of football, pushing it, <laughs> pushing it forward. International players on a grassroots level. You see it here in the United States, and he's doing it you know, in Europe kind of on his own. So. When we talk about the football industry, you've seen it, obviously, from an international standpoint coming up um, from Cleveland, Ohio, going to UMass and different things like that. What's one piece of advice that you would give to someone that's like wanting to get into the football industry or business that they can bank on? Yeah, I would say, man, believing in in yourself and also being for the right reasons. You know what I mean? It can't can't come into something with kids. It can't be about money. You got to come with the right heart in it to help these young men and of course, man, with anything that you do well, man, God going to reward you um, in, in a lot of different ways. But I would just say, man, have your heart for the kids, most importantly. Most definitely. Have your heart in the right spot because, I mean, there's a lot of variables in the game of football. It's a team sport. You got to rely on people. It's violent, 100% mm-hmm. injury rate. And a lot of, whether from a player coming in from top, there's a lot of 
lot so, of different things. So, sorry, is, is we talking about from the kids recruiting or that's just general? We're talking about if anybody, we're talking, like just like one piece of advice. If, I, if we're a kid that's like, hey, I think football is what I want to do forever, right? You're an entrepreneur in football. You also play football. So, it can be a kid. That's something that they can mm-hmm. bank on. Like, all right. I can do this. Yeah, because I, I was I would go around them same lines, man. Like if you helping kids or if you kid that's trying to play, make sure your heart is in it. Heart is right in the right place. You can't. You know, what I mean, we playing in a, a rough sport, and so it can't. It's not a thing for fun no more. You got to have your heart. It's got to be your life. So you know, what I mean, with with anything business or just trying to grow in it, man, make sure it it, it comes one of your top priorities. I I, I agree a hundred percent. Like just to uh, you know shape up what you said, just like having your heart in the right place as a player, mm-hmm. as an executive, as an entrepreneur, having your heart in the right place. Because one thing that anybody can pick up in this game is like, you know, it's one of the few things that you can see how someone's operating right. behind the face mask, the physical game. So like if your heart's not in the right, right. place, people are going, it's going to sift out and it's not going to last mm-hmm. long in the end of the day. So that's something to that be Definitely. true of like as a player, as a coach, as exact, all that good stuff, man. Definitely. So, so man, coming up, from the inner city of Cleveland, football rich area, let's talk about your recruiting process. How was it for you? Yeah, man. Like I said, the the the, the recruiting process, I'm sure it's a lot different than it was for you, man. You know what I mean? You, you being one of the best players that ever played high school football. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I was an undersized defensive lineman. I was probably six foot, 20, 10, 20, 15 pounds. I was pretty I was really good, but you know what I mean? People weren't recruiting guys that was six foot. At that time, playing defensive tackle, and I went to a small school in the inner city of Cleveland, on the west side of Cleveland, called Lincoln West High School, which I don't think a college coach ever came to, man, because, I mean, it's a very rough environment, but also nobody really went there for sports. Um, I mean, we played in the same conference, like Ted Ginn and them, so so definitely, um, but I ended up transferring to a, a suburban school my last year, and... Yeah, I didn't play football until my junior year of high school just because academics uh, reasons why. And, I mean, like I said, I didn't take sports that serious at the time. Um, but I ended up going to a, a suburban high school my, my, my senior year. And, of course, I, I was pretty good just naturally because I played when I was 9, 10 years old and I was one of the best players at that age. Right. So it naturally um, uh, came to me when I was a senior but of course, that was my only year playing high school football. So recruits, wait, I mean, colleges wasn't coming in there. So I ended up going to a, a prep school in Hudson, Ohio, called Western Reserve Academy. It's like a, a supposed graduate school. Oh, okay. And that, again, that's another school where not a lot of coaches came to because I think we had one scholarship player of probably ten, in a ten-year span. So um, I kind of had to do a lot of recruitment on my own, where I was waking up at. Six in the morning, making, I mean, not to make myself sound old, but I was making VHS tapes and you had to sit there, wait, and to to double them, you had to have one running for 20 minutes and put it in and kind of next one. So I just was sending them tapes out to hundreds and hundreds of schools and finally it kind of broke through where UMass came through. Wow. So, like when you're at, so you started playing as a junior, what made you want to go to post grad? and continue to that 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 dream of playing football is that like because to start playing as a junior most people that go play football in college you know mm-hmm. it's like a plan coming up and you know it's i think it is one of the few sports that you can start late right because it's 
Right. You can have a right. skill set. I mean, you can have a, some traits and then develop a skill set if you have some, right. some traits. Right. Like I said, man, I'm from the inner city of Cleveland where we grew up playing every any any sport you could do to get out of trouble. We man, boxing, bowling, I mean, any really golf, anything that you could do that the rec centers had, we did just to stay out of trouble. So, I mean, I was naturally athletic just off doing so many different sports and things like that. But um, I mean, I, I would say the reason I ended up going to college is because I mean, I, I, I personally believed I was one of the best. And even though I never even played like that, I just believed in myself. And I knew eventually um, I, I could play. I mean, because I was seeing guys going to college. I'm like, man, I'm more explosive than these guys and stuff like that. If I got the coaching and stuff like that, who knows what would happen. So end up basically call it betting on yourself. So I'm like, man, let me go to this post-grad school and see what I can do. And, you know what I mean? I, I end up um getting about four or five scholarships out of that. Okay, wow. So, like, when did you, like, so when you're sending out tapes, when did you think, like, okay, this is serious? Like, I got a chance to go to college. Um, To be honest with you, I, like I said, it was one of them things where I went to a camp my senior year, Um, like I said, and, and I thought I did pretty well and stuff like that. But, again, they didn't know who I was, so no coaches was recruiting me. But when I went to the post-grad year, we played against um, a prep school in New Jersey called a Hun School. They had Myron Rowe. I don't know if you ah, remember him. Okay, yeah. Myron they had Myron Rowe, and they had another. They had about ten Division One kids. They had they had a kid uh, that went to, went to Miami when Miami was pretty good, like in the early two thousands. And after that game, man, he's like, "Man, who's recruiting you?" I'm like, "Nobody." And he's like, "Man." He was he was shocked because I mean I was I dominated them and, and this like is the said, head coach of the other team. A lot of them. This is the head coach of the Hunt School. Yeah, yeah, no, this was um I don't know if he's the head coach now, but but it was the office alignment named Luke Man Abdullah. He ended up going to the U. Okay, he signed with Miami. Like I said, I, he thought I had a lot of scholarship after the game because uh, I was down. I, basically, I was dominating him. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you <laughs> you dominated somebody going to the U. He gave you props. You were like, man, yeah. I should be. <laughs> that, you know, I'm like, man, I started making calls. Like, hey, I started telling coaches, hey, talk to this guy. He's going to the U. He said. <laughs> 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 they weren't really trying to hear it, but you know, what I mean, I, like I said, if I was six two, six three, I probably would have had. But I was literally barely six foot. I was like two thirty five, two forty at that time. But I, I had like fourteen sacks, and you know what? To be honest with you, this going this gonna kind of hit home um, for you a little bit. Another reason I knew I was a, a college player because a guy that was prepping that year was a guy Daryl Clark. I played again. I don't know. You yeah, yeah. Sure you know yeah. Penn State. So, yeah. man, I, I literally, if you ask him about this hit that I had on him, and I had five sacks on him in that game. <sighs> and, I mean, like, I came free around the corner, like, had, like, a 30-yard 30, 30 run to him and smacked him. Like, I'm talking about, it was like, you can hear this out of everywhere. And, like I said, I'm sure he remember that hit. And right. Again, after that game, man, I'm like, man, this guy going to Penn State. Although, of course, he not, he's not blocking me, but. I mean, I knew I could play at that level. That's interesting, man. Just understanding that, like you kind of taking your your environment. It's like, man, this good, this guy's good. Like he's going to <laughs> Miami, he's going to Penn State. Man, I need to be right. the, taking advantage of the football thing and using it as a catalyst to you know better my life. Did you did you right. play multiple sports? I know you say you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I play I played basketball, baseball. I did track. Really, I just ran track just to get faster for football. So you were just an overall athlete at the end of the day. So that was a, that was pretty. I mean, listening to it, that's kind of 
what gave you the opportunity to come and start as a junior and like kind of use your athleticism playing multiple sports? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Like I said, I, I mean, I got five brothers, man. Okay. And I mean, none of them, none of them went to school or anything. It was all really wrapped up in the streets, but they all, everybody had athletic ability. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's perfect, man. So like when you were starting to send stuff out to schools, obviously you found out that this process was kind of, not even process was serious, but you could make it a serious deal. How informed were you when looking into schools? Like you got the like four or five offers. How informed were you when you were kind of looking? Man, this kind of what I did, to be honest with you. I, I went into my coach's office. I mean, he, like I said, nobody went to college from our school, so he didn't know, but he had a book with every coach in America, a book with, with di, 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 directory. Okay. So literally, man, for about three, four hours, every, like two hours in the morning, two, three hours at night, I went through every car and call every coach that I can get my hands on, man, and kind of to sell myself. Okay. And like I said, that that's that kind of helped me push me over the edge as well. Wow. So you okay? So you really like you had to you put yourself out there like this is this is. I mean, so basically, man, that, that's kind of. I mean, I'm sure you're gonna get to this question. That's kind of what I'm doing now. That's why it comes so natural for me, man, because I had to do it for myself. Got it, got it. Just the whole aspect of putting this stuff in front of the guys, and like you said, I think that's a skill that most players don't have. I think when they're going through the process as athletes, I mean, besides now they tag themselves on Twitter and like this is what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but like that, like actually call them, like, look, this is what I'm doing. This is what I've done. That's a that's an interesting perspective as a player because I know, man, I I was different recruiting process, but you know, you're, you through the recruiting process, you're used to people kind of calling you or just kind of it more about exposure. Right. But you were like actually post grad. Going through a directory like, yo, I'm right. here. Da, 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 da. What made you decide? What made you end up making your decision to go to UMass? Yeah, I had a couple offers, man, from Kent State, Akron, Youngstown State. Uh, I had in Mar- Marshall and uh, um, I think somebody else small, man. But like I said, man, I, I, where I was at this prep school is probably forty minutes away from my home, and I. Literally, I didn't go home one time because, man, like I said, I'm from a area where you don't really even want to be home, man. Like gotcha. when I go home, I'm going home, I'm sleeping on the couch, man. And, and, you know what I'm saying? Basically a bad environment. So, man, UMass was the furthest thing away from where I live. Not that I'm trying to get away from my family and that, man, but I just wanted to make sure I could focus on, you know what I mean, not ended up doing nothing that I, I would regret. So, really... I chose the school that was the furthest away from me, man. That's real, man. Like, but having that's that's smart. Having awareness of like kind of putting yourself in the best situation to succeed and move mm-hmm. forward with life. Did you know what you wanted to do post football career when you were going to college? Man, to be honest with you, I, I was just so happy to get to college. But like I said, that's something I, I kind of regret. I wish I would have. I didn't have nobody talking to me like that. I mean, it was just really. I'm going to play football, and, and that's all I thought. And, and like I said, so to be honest with you, I regret it a lot. Now I'll talk to any young kid coming up, but make sure you have a plan and use the coaches and whoever networks you got to help you figure out that plan. But like I said, I didn't have that. I was just so happy to get into college, man, that it didn't even matter. Got you, got you. At that point, it's like, man, I got this opportunity. Capture right. it. That's it. Dog. That's, that's big, man. What was the best, when you look back on the recruiting process, I mean, now, what you're doing, like, what was the best part for you? Yeah, I would say, um, man, the the best overall part was, man, being able to get there and have some structure. It's the first time in my life that I had some structure, man, where I knew 
like I said, I came from a rough area, but my mother always, we we ate, you know what I'm saying? So it ain't like I'm going to sit up here and say, okay, I was trying to find the next meal, but we didn't eat properly and things like that. I learned nutrition. I learned how to um, properly take care of myself, man. So I would say that um, overall, man, that was the best part. Just a- Understanding, man, I had a home for the next four or five years that I can uh, find structure in my life. So I would say... That was the best part of recruitment for me. Man, that's big. It was like, I try to tell people, it's like, it expedites your maturation process as a man, to be honest with you, whether you're like selling yourself as a teenager, you're putting yourself out there, getting rejected, like things that adults have a hard time sometimes dealing with, right? And you kind of go through it, you get rejected and all those different things for a dream that you have. Do you have like a, I mean, I guess wouldn't be a, a worse part? Yeah, the wor- I would say the worst part was... Um, uh, let me think. Um, of course, the worst part was uh, I almost, to be honest with you, I probably first time ever saying this, but I ended up committing to Youngstown State. But the day before, I, I, I basically flipped on them, but I never even called. I never they they was blowing my phone up so much, and I was. Yeah. To be honest with you, I, I didn't want to let nobody down, so I never even called and talked to them and told them that where I was going or nothing, man. So that's one thing I regret because they put a lot of time and work over the months to try to get me there. And I, like I said, I regret that still to today. And I try to look for this coach's number that that uh, to at least give him a call to thank him for what he did. So I would say that was my worst part, man. Um I would say flipping on this school and not even informing them, man. And like I said, I feel bad today about it. That's 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 big. That's why it's like it's like putting in positions, right? Where it's like that's a hard thing mm-hmm. to do. I mean, it was hard when I had to call coaches, be like, "Look, I'm not coming." And so that's like a real thing that like you have to look look at and be like, "All right." right. So the worst part is a little bit of the expediting of that right. maturation process and kind of being held to the fire and like. You, mm-hmm. That's big because like guys, you you see it nowadays where guys go through the recruiting process and whatever kind of they go through or whatever stench that they leave with coaches right. kind of sticks with them when they go through, whether right. it's a transfer portal or where guys talking to each other and things of that nature. So mm-hmm. being on point and being like mature through the recruiting process, I understand you have a plan and it's a business, right. man. What's one key takeaway that you would give to someone going through the recruiting process? Yeah. Um, nowadays, like I said, recruiting is a lot different than when we was coming out of high school, man. So I would say, you know I mean when I was back in the day, I would have probably said, "Man, get the be able to trust the coach and build a relationship." But it's so much different now. So I'm gonna answer where the recruiting at now. So I would say, man, never fall in love with a coach. First of all, man, fall in love with with, with that environment. Fall in love with what you see um, the culture is of maybe that head coach. But instead of don't fall in love with a position coach because that can always change, man. We had a lot of kids that did that over the years, and they coach left, and they kind of regretted even going to that school, man. So make sure you pick in the school for the culture that the head coach ha- have laid, and also the culture of the surrounding of that school is going to be important. I think that's a strong and excellent answer, man. Understanding that it's not about it is football, but you're going and you got the. You're incubating yourself, and like you said, a whole ecosystem, a whole culture that kind of is driven from mm-hmm. the head coach and different things like that. So that's a very critical point, man. Appreciate that. So let's mm-hmm. jump to your time at UMass. So coming from inner city Cleveland, you go to the to the prep school. How was your transition to UMass? Man, to be honest with you, it it, it was 
it was rough at the beginning, man, because I, like I said, I wasn't used to being around a certain group of people, and I came in with a chip on my shoulder, man. So if you ask anybody that went to UMass with, I was kind of like the, what you, I, I mean, I, I was kind of like the person that everybody um, kind of said some negative things about only just because, man, I was, I had such a motivation that a lot of the seniors that I was going against was didn't like me because I was trying to destroy them, man. Like, like to be honest with you, I almost got kicked off the team because I they say I was hurting people, but I was I was a freshman going into it. We play I'm playing against these guys, three hundred thirty pounds, and I was I'm to I was picking these guys. You you'd have thought I I mean so like I said, the coaches came to me like, man, you got to stop. You're going too hard, man. And he again, these are, these are seniors I'm going against. So I'm thinking that. Damn, I'm I'm 19 years old. These guys 22, 23. You shouldn't be telling me to stop and stuff like that. They need to be trying to block me. And this is during like summer camp. And like I said, so I almost got kicked off the team for going too hard. As crazy as that sounds. Wow, that's crazy, man. It's a, it reminds me of a funny story at Penn State when we got there as freshmen. Uh, Sean Lee, he was in my freshman class. And he practiced, he practiced on 110, bro. Like, it didn't matter. Like, 110. And it was like, I was like, oh, he's an overachiever. Da, da, da. It was like, oh, but he was really about that action, though. Like, he was running down linemen, cow tipping, doing the whole thing. They were right. like, you got to chill. But uh, did you think that was like your moment where you thought, man, this is serious business. Welcome to the welcome to college for you? Yeah, because, like, I, I mean, I actually called, I mean, I called some people like, man, I, I need to transfer and stuff out here because this ain't for me because, man, I, I don't. You know what I mean? Like I said, man, it, it was one of them things where I, I didn't really go there trying to be friends with nobody, man. Because like I said, when I mean, it's kind of off topic, man. But a week before I got there, I had four brothers that went to um, federal penitentiary right before that. So my motivation was so different, man, going into it that, you know what I mean? A lot of people didn't understand. I mean, I wasn't playing dirty, but I, I was playing through the whistle and people was going to feel my pain through it, man. So... Your like channel. I said, it, 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 it was a grind. Yeah, channeling through football, man. A lot of people do that, like going through football where it's like like kind of that motivation where it's like that next thing out. And that's kind of where we're trying, you know, our, our companies kind of help guys come through, whether mm -hmm. it's like lacking the guidance or help some do that or just going through it with like, you know, LIG life is good where it's like that's the essence of what you're trying to accomplish. Like when you have an end right. goal it's not like scrambling or survival next moment, you can kind of enjoy what you're going through, because like going to UMass and playing football, going to playing in CFL, like this is blessings, right? And it's like to the point where yeah. you got us to having our own businesses. So yeah, man. So when you're there, like, like what would, did you think there was like a critical advantage? Like you said, you went there with a different motivation, like coming from that aspect. It was like you know some some pain that you had to get out, right? You said four brothers going to the federal penitentiary, um, like. Did you notice like an advantage when you were there? Like when everything was going on at UMass, did you feel like, man, I'm going to, I got to the better place. Did you feel that way? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Like I said, just the structure of my life changed, man. Like I said, I was eat, eating pretty good meals every day. I had a, a strength coach. I had people, like I said, guiding me. Right. And I was in a good way. So just having that was, 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 was a good thing and, and the motivation for me, man. But I, like I said, I think overall, man, I just kind of went into college, man, with a, with a, with a thing. I don't want to go back home. Gotcha. So, you know what I mean? I'm going to figure this out. 
regardless of what it is. That's a pretty traumatic experience to go through going before going to before going to college. How did the school support you emotionally? I mean, I know mental health is a big thing. We talk about players, but I mean, to be honest, like I said, to be honest with you, they they I, I I wouldn't say they supported me at all because things have changed right now. They do. You know what I mean? They didn't have them support systems that they have right now, so I didn't really get support. But nobody even knew my situation, to be honest with you. I mean, I, didn't, gotcha. I don't know. I didn't have a coach ask me about my family situation, so you know what I mean? I didn't let it out. So pretty much I kind of just leaned on the game of football, to be honest with you, man. So Football was therapy. I can say every, every snap was me getting the frustration out of what I've been going through. That's amazing because it's like, I mean, that's a, that's a traumatic experience, but, you know, working in college, working around the game, a lot of guys have, not that happen, but they have, like, tragedies and trauma happen, whether it's, like, a brother or a friend that, whether it's go to jail, get killed, whatever the case may be. It's like you got to compartmentalize and kind of, like, channel that into football, and people start then using football as, like, that engine, and then it's like, there's still stuff, right. you know, there. I mean, like, it's, and, like, understanding, like, the university and the team, like, that's, that's, as part of you know supporting the players, you know what I mean. Right. Like that aspect is it's interesting. Sometimes when that's not the norm of a coach or a norm of people in the background, it can make a yeah, a kid man. Feel like lonely. I said, I, that's one thing I kind of even when I'm what I'm doing right now, I kind of reach out to a lot of my old coaches and tell them, man, I know it's tough for y'all, but at least try to get a list of guys that y'all coach, man. Reach out to them once a year or something just to see. I mean, I mean, because to be honest with you, if, if I got a call from any one of my coaches, that probably meant a lot just to see where I'm at in life. You know what I mean? So I didn't get that, and I'm, but I'm still successful with what I'm doing. Right. But I, I'm telling you, it would it would have helped me out mentally at one point. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. So your time in college, I mean, obviously, how was the transition out? Like you leave, you're a two time all you know all, con- mm-hmm. all conference player and all that good stuff. Did you think you were a chance at the NFL? Was that like a goal? Yeah, that, that that was always the goal, man. To be honest with you, man, my only goal was to go to the NFL to potentially make money for my family. That's right. that's the only goal I ever had. So right. with, with playing, of course, get a degree just because, I mean, that's some first person in my family to ever get a degree. So that was always something on my, on my uh, mind. But yeah, like I said, I... I of course, man, my, my size always played a factor. I didn't even think about that in the point of the NFL. But when that came, when scouts started coming in, that was always the negative. Man, he's a good player, but his size and things like that, you know what I mean? So, so, I, but, again, but again, man, I, I knew eventually that um, I'll get an opportunity, man, because, like I said, I had the talent. I just needed to show it. So, it kind of came um, where I had a I had a I had tore my pec my senior year, so I was kind of a scratch for for my pro days and stuff. Where um, coaches did kind of didn't see me as healthy, so I ended up having to go to Europe. I don't even know if you know this. Some ended up going to Europe in 2011 to show I was healthy. So I had a really I mean I had a really good career. Or sorry, a really good um, season in Europe. Then end up get signed by the Philadelphia Eagles right after that. But kind of um, a quick story on that is our, one of our good friends together, EJ Barthel. Like he, I know you had him on the show recently. Like he, he that's why I'm always uh, got love for him for life because it was a point, man. After college, literally, man, I probably had 
I didn't have a phone. I probably had 50 bucks to my name. Like literally, he let me come stay on his couch for about a month, about six weeks. Like I, like I, you know what I'm saying? I ate his food, slept on his couch. I mean, he was my, he's my age. So yeah, you know. And this is a so, teammate. This is a teammate from UMass. This yeah. was a teammate from UMass, and, and like I said, he had a training facility in New Jersey. And I called him, like man, I said, bro, I don't have nothing, man. I need, I want to train the. Potentially get an NFL shot, man. He said, come down. So, basically, I stayed with him for about six weeks. Then he was about to move. Um, then he, he he called me in the room. Like, man, hey, man, I'm calling you, man. I hate to tell you this, but I'm about to move with my sister. You're going to have to leave. Like, that, all my air sunk out of me. Like, man, I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, bro. Like, like I didn't tell him this personally, but right. I'm like, man, I don't know where I'm going. Then, literally, man, I went into... The room that I was staying with in at his place, man, and got on my knees in tears, crying like, man, like, I like, I literally, I don't know where I was. I, I was basically homeless with no money. So, you know what I mean? Of course, I don't know what I, mean, my, I believe in God. So I was praying to God, and literally, like, you can ask EJ this, man. The very next day, I ain't have a phone. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how my agent knew I was with EJ because I didn't even tell him. Okay. Then. The Eagles called called my agent. He called EJ like, man, get Carrier down to uh, I think Lee High. It was practicing Lee High. You got to get him there. They're gonna sign him. And and like, literally, man, it was like a miracle, man. Like I was about to leave the next day. I didn't know where I was going to getting signed by the Eagles, man. And like I said, it it gives me goosebumps to today that that happened. Wow, man, that's amazing how God works things out. So that happens. You get to the Eagles. You spend some time in the CFL, right? Yep, yep. So, so I spent I spent the next I spent the next um, year and a half in the CFL. Right after that, so I had a really good camp in the Eagles. Ended up getting hurt. We got went on IR. Got an injury settlement, so I was able to get some money uh, and, and went to Winnipeg for the next year and a half. Man, I had a blast. So it, oh. it was a great time. Oh man, that was that's like. It's critical to even think about, man, those transition points and like who you need to lean on and those different type of things. And that's like, I, mm -hmm. I appreciate you sharing that too. You know what I mean? Just in the sense For of- For sure, man. I, I definitely had to, to, man, because like I said, he was on the call, man. I definitely want to give him his flowers for doing that. Oh, that's real. That's super real, man. We're going to take a real quick break. Got an LIG read. One second. This episode too is brought to you by LIG Sports Group. Specifically today will be, uh, be sponsored- by the Recruiting and Football Biz Masterclass course, which was details the football ecosystem and recruiting process. What teams are trying to figure out, how do you get into the football ecosystem, the critical points, the recruiting process, pre-draft, transition out, transition in, and ascension points. Go through the blueprint, ninth through 12th grade. What are you looking for at each level? What should you, what should you be aiming for to accomplish? What are coaches looking for? In the current college football landscape, along with the educational benefits and new normal, also, while navigating the recruiting waters and making informed decisions, we go through different aspects like university head coach, culture of the team, position coach, position group success, for just to name a few, um, to just give you a whole overview and deep dive into the football ecosystem and recruiting business. And that will be available on LIGsports.com. And we'll have a link at the bottom. We're back into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, man, so back into so just talking about the transition. I mean, obviously, that was like a critical transition, like where you found yourself having to dig deep to get back into football. How was the transition from the game for you? 
Yeah, and when I stopped playing, you mean? Yes, when you stopped playing. Okay, yeah. So I, I so after Canada, um, I think 2014, I get end up getting released in Winnipeg. Yeah, I knew I could still play and do something, so I end up um end up coming to Germany in 20 yeah 2013 or 2014, one of, one of them years, and I end up playing um a few years out here, um before getting hurt um in 2016. So I mean, I would say the transition. From me um, playing went really smooth because as I was um, even before I got hurt, my mind was like, man, I, I see a vision out here where I can help some young kids. So, like I said, the transition was really smooth um, on me on me doing this. Okay, okay. So that's where you first thought. So like the first transition job was what? Yeah, my first transition job, to be honest with you, was starting my own business. That start, start, so, so like I said, it, at first it wasn't a business, so I kind of take that back. It was just um, something I did for passion, fun, helping guys and things like that. So um, that's kind of what I started doing, like hosting camps and things like that around Europe. So, okay. Take me. How, how did you get to Europe? Okay. Um like I said, 2011, when I first get came, you went. I knew a friend that was playing in Europe, and he showed me a league, so I played in Austria 2011. Okay. Then um, me and my man Tony Hunt, we played. That's when we played together. Okay, another fifth <laughs> so, state cat. Uh, yeah, tough. Yeah, so so after that, I came back to the states. Then I went back to to, to Germany in 2013. Okay, back in 13. So then that's when you started helping the kids at that point. No, I, I was 2013. I was playing up into 2016. Then I started helping the kids in 26 end of 2016. Okay, end of 2016, you start helping the kids. So you you jump right into it. Like this is what I want to do. Did you see a Did you see a gap out there or something? Like you just saw like. Yeah, man, I, I I did, um, cause cause like I said, even when me and Tony played together in 2011, like guys were asking us, can we help them? And it was some young guys, was 18, that was playing in the same team as us, and they was pretty good players. Oh, really? So we we was 25, 26 at the time, and I'm like, man, imagine these kids going, they can they can play in college. So I knew since 2011 what I wanted to do in the af in the after time, but. It just kind of worked out and timed up perfectly. Oh man, I didn't even realize like that was kind of how the whole thing came about. So people were already interested in football, and like so, you got eighteen players, eighteen year olds playing with you guys as right men over there. Okay, okay, oh, man. So like once that happens, you start training those guys. Like you start your company. What does PPI stand for? Yeah, it stands for Premier Prospects International. Um, so we just kind of short for PPI, and we kind of PPI recruits is the slogan we kind of use. Um, but yeah, it just kind of came, kind of came out. Well, me and a friend sitting thinking of name some catchy stuff. So PPI been real catchy for people. So it's been really yeah. good. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So like when you first like you said you started the business. So like was it really just like the idea that came from? Literally just guys asking you around Europe, like, yo, I want to get into football. And you just felt like, man, there's a gap. Like, they, they can play, man. We can just help them. Kind of import-export type business. Yeah, man. Like I said, it just happened so natural. Like I said, just speaking back when we first started this conversation about my recruiting. Like, right. how I knew that, okay, man, like, it was it's a lot of sleepers around the world. Not only in America, but these international kids, they just need a voice for them, man. And I knew that I can be, you know I mean, I had enough connections and stuff like that. And people um, trust my words. So I thought, man, I, I can make it happen for a lot of people. And that's kind of how it came. Oh, man, that's crazy. So 
you get the thing going and you're like, or you just want to start calling? Because like I could tell the story about when I first saw you guys, were, you came to Penn State and you were walking around with like a Monstar team. It's all these European <laughs> cats. It was like, you know, EJ was telling me. And I was like, man, that's a cool model because you're like, you know, you're sourcing, you're pretty much globalizing the recruiting right. game, right? Because before, like before, I mean, before you, the recruiting game was stateside, period. Like there wasn't right. like a really look on an international prospect unless that international prospect was with adopted school, so. or somebody brought or them in from a program school, yeah. or yep from high school mm-hmm. or anything like that but you were bringing guys over man and they were giving us uh highlight tapes where guys were walking like six seven uh <laughs> 280 pound guys 17 walking on tight, tight ropes and they're just like a level <laughs> even in football when you start looking at that this was wondering like where the gap was because there's just not that many people that size right. or athletic that can you know do those right. different type of things so what was that? Was that what your first trip? Like, is that how you yeah, got it that going? Was, yeah, that was kind of what the first trip. So, so kind of just to say, I mean, I was making calls. So, you know, we thinking, we always think that, okay, man, we can call our former coaches or former teammates and they'll, they'll take a chance on our, on our word, but it don't work like that. So, right. I, I mean, I was calling all these coaches that I, that <laughs> I thought, trust me and stuff like that, but. You know what I mean? I'm sure they're getting these calls from everybody. Like, say, okay, take my guy, take my guy. Right, so, right. I mean, so I say, man, okay, you know what? I'm about to pack up, take these guys to America and showcase them. So I made sure the first group of guys, they're going to at least pass the look test. You know what I mean? So that's kind of like what I would say EJ kind of helped me on that as well, man. Like, make sure these guys look the part, like under undersell, over deliver. So I was I was telling um, coaches, man, my guy's 6'5", he'll show up 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and they're like, oh, you know what I mean? So that kind of that kind of grew my reputation, man. And, and like I said, man, it, I brought 13 guys that first tour, and I think eight or nine of them got Division One scholarships. Wow, wow. So when you sourced those first group of players, was it just like word of mouth, like, yo, we're going to the United States, or was it just the people that actually reached out to you about um, having interest in football? I would say it, it was a little bit of both where people knew that what I was doing because before I came to the States, I helped another kid end up going to Towson where, I mean, I was just blowing through Facebook and social media, like, man, and showing what I'm doing and it started getting traction. But um, so I would say, I would say really I went country to country and started handpicking kids, to be honest with you. So that's probably kind of how I did. I had some camps. And I'm like, man, I need to find the best kids for when I come, they know they know we serious. So that's kind of how I did it. Right, right. So you were pretty much talent sourcing throughout Europe. Right. Oh, man, that's awesome. I thought I just think that's like really creative because as now we see where the game is going, just, I mean, college football is pretty much semi-pro. We got free agency mm-hmm. with the transfer portal. You got NIL and all those different things. And now you're kind of bringing in a whole nother group of people from across the pond. We are just talking about right. measurable standards and different things of that nature. How receptive have coaches been dealing with international players with all the changes in college football? Yeah. Um, I would say at the beginning, like I was on the first start, I mean, it, it wasn't easy. Like, I, But now, to be honest. For context, man, what year did you start like coming to the States? 2017 was my first year on a, what we call the Dream Chasers Tour, when we bring the kids to America. So that was my first year, 2017. And to be honest with you, man, it, it seemed easy from the outside with people because a lot of scholarship came in. But it it took a lot of calls and stuff like that. And to be honest with you, as I kind of spoke about beginning, man, 
I mean, and, and it's kind of advice to anybody, the kids, or even anybody that's in the coaching profession, man. Don't rely, almost don't rely on your network that much mm. because the people that you think that that's going to sell out for you and say, oh, I you say I played for him, I played with him, he's going to trust me. Them wasn't the guys that opened the door for me, man. It was the guys that didn't know me, to be honest with you, the ones that opened this door for me, man. And it's crazy that that sound, but that's how life is. That's how it is in, in this game. So as coach, as they're, I mean, coaches are kind of going through that whole process and they're like being open. And like you said, it's a gem. Like if you have a valuable product, it's like you got to put it in front of the right people who see the value in the product. Like, mm -hmm. and that can, that could be a stomach, like a, a, a barrier entry, right? Thinking that it's going to be your closest person to kind of let you in the door, but you kept, kept pushing. <laughs> what country is the next hotbed for coaches looking to go international? Oh, oh man, I would say Australia, man. Like I had one camp in Australia and I had five kids there got division one scholarships from that one camp, man. And man, then, like I said, I just had a kid from Senegal that no one ever seen. He played basketball and rugby. Now he got an offer from Oregon. Like, you know what I mean? I just sent him his basketball and rugby stuff to Oregon and they offered the kids. So Oh snap! That's like that's crazy. So you said Africa and Australia, pretty much. Yeah, I would say uh, yeah, Africa. I mean, like I said, West Africa, even Senegal, Nigeria. I mean, like I said, we we about to run some camps out there, and man, Australia is a hotbed that that's been really slept on, and it's some big time kids there. What makes what makes Australia like a, a hotbed? Man, you know the poly it's a lot of Polynesian um descents there, man. And like outside of I say outside of um outside of the native Polynesian countries like the Samoa and stuff, that's the biggest population and them and them guys play rugby and this Australian football which kinda translates to Amer uh, what they call American football or what we call football. It's an easier trans transition for them and like I said, and the amount of people there that's playing is is a high number. Man, that's interesting because you started off. You talked about the the like the big guys, right? But now I'm starting to see you getting like more skill guys, and like just the mm -hmm. the culture of skill guys. The culture of skill football in the United States is completely different than the the guys of the of the skill in Europe, right? Because like they're playing soccer out there. They may play rugby. They may play other things. How is that? How is that football skill culture being developed in Europe? Yeah, I mean, you know, man, we we all come from similar genetics. Let's just say you go to <clears throat> you go to um London. They they got a huge Jamaican population, man. So these kids are saying they got the same genetics as as most of us black Americans that's playing these skilled positions and I mean, they got that natural ability and they they plan they went from soccer now they playing football and stuff. So it's it's kind of like a natural transition, you know, with most of these um, you know, so most of the positions, man, or you, if you got the footwork and the, the, the coordination, man, you, you can develop something. That's kind of what it was happening right now. So you're just taking like the transferable skills from the players. Like, and I always think that's interesting because even when you talk about like one-on-one -on -one culture, right? Like playing receiver, playing DB, I mean, football is a different co culture than soccer, right? Like, so even when you're talking mm -hmm. about like the football temperament and different things like that, how are you guys developing that in Europe man, or they, just in different countries? Man, they got... They got social media. They got YouTube. They so, see they see these openings. They want to be that. You know what I mean? Just okay. like they see rappers. 
They, you know what I'm saying? They know our culture. Just It's just kind of like it when, when people like kind of Nipsey Hussle kind of said it, man, somebody from Idaho know more about my culture than me just watching this stuff. So it's kind of like these guys, they they more, they know just as much informative stuff as we do, and they ain't never even been there. So you, So you're not really filling in too much cultural gaps per se is there yeah. any cultural gaps with football though like are, 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 are you having like yeah, them yes. understanding the game and the business of football like how are you oh, connecting yes those dots no. for them? i mean of course i mean you can never duplicate the the same we do in america how much we love football you know what i mean like how, how much but they got a similar passion i mean they they passion might not be let me get out the hood like most inner city kids they passion is Man, let me show a European guy can come take this American kid scholarship. So they got a whole different drive than us. But, um, but like I said, overall, man, with with all the social media and the YouTube, these guys developing that. Of course, it's a little different. I'm not going to sit up here and say it's the same exact, but it ain't too far off. I got you. Okay, I got you. I got you. So let's compare a little bit from the people that are like kind of coming up in that in the culture versus them watching? What would you say like the main difference that you're finding between international prospects and stateside prospects? I would say the main difference is the level of competition day in and day out. You know what I mean? Where, okay, when these kids, the best players on their team, and they're the best players by far, but you got some American kids that they facing other good competition locally and stuff like that, that's getting them more college ready and stuff like that, man. But, Again, I'm only dealing with the guys that's over here, the four or five star type of recruits. I'm not just dealing with every kid. Yeah, I want to eventually grow the game where these guys are doing that. But, man, I'm starting with the the, 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 the top-level kids, and these kids can compete at, like, for example, I had a tight end from Sweden, went to the opening final last year versus the best kids in America. I mean, he stood out. He showed himself. I had a defensive tackle from Sweden that went to the All-American Combine in San Antonio. It was the MVP of the Combine. So, I mean, the top-level kids can go compete at any level in America. Wow. And so, like, from the skill set, is that something that you guys are developing over there? Or are they just kind of watching practice videos and kind of... No, we're developing it. I mean, some of these guys go to some academies, to be honest with you. Football academies. Some of these academies are getting more development than the American schools, man. Most American high school is not developing like that. I mean, you got your very few that, that are. Don't get me wrong. But most of these, they, and they, 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 these kids take it at a different level. They study it at a different level, man. And, and the coaches, not that they better coaches in terms of actual football stuff, but they they – in a development standpoint of your body, they 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 more advanced than most American coaches. Wow, wow, wow! That's, yeah, that's, it, it, it's surprising, man. Like like for example, like every kid we, t- I mean, I make sure. So I got something. I have an academy set up out here where I have coaches. I had plenty of NFL coaches, college coaches talk to my guys, and they give them knowledge. They give them stuff to take with them. So. They speak the same terminology when they come to America and stuff like that. So, to be honest with you, when these guys come to America and the coach put them on the board, they'd be like, damn, you know more than the most ki- mo- the average kid here. 
Right, because they're already coming in. Like I, they know that they're kind of behind. It's like all right, I'm ready to learn, right. and it's like all right, this is where it right. is. Being malleable and taking in the game, that's interesting. I mean, we see it sometimes mm. in basketball, right? When they talk about the game in Europe, basketball is like more team oriented and just more it, fundamentally it, exactly. based. And they come here, it's like, oh, I can figure this out. And you said they're not relying just off athletic ability. They want, they need the shortcuts. They they need to take get the advantages. Wow, that's that's crazy. That's I mean, that's great to point out. So guys over here, remember states. I mean, state size is one thing, but over in Europe, they still getting right on the fundamentals, and that just For opens sure. up the talent pool. So you gotta continue to sharpen, man. Continue to sharpen. So we see the NFL make a concentrated effort to like globalize the game of football. They do games in Europe. They're moving. Mexico City, all that good different stuff. How do you see PPI uh, capitalizing on the major opportunity? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, not to toot our own horn, we kind of opened up a door for that. I mean, the NFL is the NFL. They brand going to speak for itself anyway. But we kind of, I would say, when, when people that's working with the NFL internationally, look them down. All these kids going to college. There's got to be something Some- over there. So. <laughs> You know what I mean, the market has have even grown since we did it with PPI, man. So, I mean, overall, again, we might not get the all. We're not going to get all the credit that we deserve in terms of this. But long as more kids continue to play the game out here, we're going to benefit from it anyway with that, man. At the end of the day, man, it's about letting these kids reach their potential more than anything. And whether we getting directly um, uh, our flowers from it or not. I'm happy that the game is growing worldwide from it. Man, that's crazy. You're literally the breeding ground for elite international talent, though. So it's like, that's why it's like, you see it, they're coming over there to have games, do stuff, and kind of build it up, jump in that ecosystem. Like, man, this is, this is the guy that's developing all the guys before they get to college and all that good stuff. So for aspiring yeah, entrepreneurs. Yeah, you you'll see a lot of NFL. I mean, to be honest with you, man, and it's crazy to say this, it's easier right now for guys to get an NFL shot and a CFL shot to get a Division One scholarship. Like it's because they want the NFL want to put the marketing so much to international guys that they got a pathway program that it's three, it's two kids that I couldn't even get in college that's about to be on NFL practice squads right now, twenty one years old. And they couldn't even get in college. Wow, that's that's very that's very interesting. You say. So it's easier to get to the NFL or CFL than it is to get to college. It's crazy college scholarships that at this time. It is. The craziest that sounds, it is. Wow. That's I mean, that's something to be thought that's something to think about. So guys, again, keep sharpening because like it ain't get filtered out at the end of the day. So for players aspiring to be entrepreneurs and looking to trailblaze their own thing in the football industry, what football what advice would you give them? you gave a little bit earlier, but yeah, I, yeah, I would say, man, j- just stick to stick to stick to yourself, man, and, and never compromise your morals, man, your beliefs and stuff like that. A lot of us um, try to be someone else to try to get in these doors, and I would say the one reason I've been very successful at doing what I'm doing because I've been very authentic, man, and I haven't had to switch myself. To become something. So I would say, man, if I give any advice to anybody coming up, man, be yourself. Don't think that you need to change your voice. You need to do this to do that to get inside these buildings, man. If you meant to get in them doors, you're going to get to them doors, man. And that's real. Be authentic to yourself. And you said it <laughs> You said it a little bit earlier, too, man, where it's just don't rely on just like even your closest network, right? But like continue to push beyond that because 
the door might open from the least expected person, right? If yeah, man. If I can add something to that, what you saying, man, because I want this to get out, man. It's something I even tell, like, when I first started this, you probably seen this as well when you see me at Penn State, man. You see my frustration that people that I felt should be helping me and that that I know for the closest time, they 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 wasn't there in them ways. Not that they was right or not that they was wrong, but I put my heart in it trying to say, man, these is family friends. They should be there helping me. But at the end of the day, they they don't look at it how we look at it. So we gotta stop looking at it like that, man. It's gonna be some. It's, sometimes it's gonna be that stranger that opened the door before your best friend, before your former coach, like that. So don't just smile and accept it. It's a business. It's, and yeah, cats operating like it, and they because they, they feel like man, just because you my friend, you my former player, um, people gonna think I'm um, just letting you in the door that way. So let me not do that. But you know what I'm saying you it'd be some disappointment if that's on your mind. So man, at the end of the day, man, I would say don't rely on that network that you think gonna be there. Try to create new networks by just being genuine. I love that, man. I love that. Yeah. Create new networks by being genuine and authentic self and like not getting into sure. a negative space, right? Because you said there's going to be doors that don't open, but continue to stay in the mission. You said at the beginning, man, make sure your heart's in the right place. Because if your heart's yeah. in the right place at the end of the day, stuff should, it might sting, right? Because I, I can't lie, you know, but yeah, you, you keep sure. pushing forward because the why is bigger than, you know, the little yeah, the pain. Yeah, for sure. You know like, I mean? like, um, like I said, I played for a lot of coaches, and to be honest with you, one of my closest friends in the coaching network is James Franklin, and I never even played for him or, you know what I'm saying? He he has came to Europe and did a camp with me. Nobody did that. I mean, that, that, that speaks volumes, him flying over to do a camp. And like I said, I didn't have any connection with him, I, but he's seen – me being authentic and doing some great things and he latched on in terms of like he and like I said, to today I can call him for 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 some type of advice. That's amazing, man. That's a that, that's a cool story too for a coach call it power five, one of one of five well, I'm one of the few black coaches in college football right. to come over and, you know, Run a camp in Europe. That, that's tight. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that that happened. Yeah, man, it, 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 for sure, man. I'm that, thankful to today for that. Nah, that's some great advice, man. So you literally seen done so much in the football business, like really made it to an international import export type of business. What's your career end goal? Oh, that's a good question, man. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, to be honest with you, man, this is so much work. What I'm doing, and I love it. It's fun, man. I travel the world, man. I, I I go to country to country, help athletes, man. So I feel like I got the best job in the world. Like you can offer me a job at a power five school, being a D line coach for eight hundred thousand. I probably wouldn't do it because I got so much freedom right now, man, and, and so much that I can help so many different kids. So, but I would say, man, my end goal is, whew. I don't want to separate from this because so many people need me, man. But, uh, 
Man, I'm going to have to really get back to you on that because I can't even give you a, a, a solid answer because I haven't really thought about it because I feel like I'm living my dream right now. That's a great answer, dog. I think that's a, that's the best answer, man. You said I'm, I'm living it, dog. Like, <laughs> so like, keep pushing and growing PPI, man. And thank you for coming on to the show. I know it's late over there in Europe where you're at. And, and it was different time zones and all that stuff. But just recap, man, make sure when you get into the football industry that your heart's in the game, understanding that you need a, that network and be able to grow your own and understand that if you do bring a product to the football thing that it might not be your closest but if you get value and you're authentic that doors open that's across all industries and at the end of the day man the game is going international and guys like brandon are getting the grassroots and getting everything moving over there as the game of football shifts all over the place with recruiting opening up nil and just the business continue to boom it's going international and global, and he's at the forefront of it. So we just like to say, like and subscribe this video and download the Blueprint um, Blue Chip Checklist for your recruiting and navigating the recruiting water so you're making informed decisions. So again, B, Brandon, thank you for coming on, man. The ambassador. Man, thank you, man. Shit, I guess I'm sorry, man. Like I said, you're a legend, man. And, and man, like I said, you got my respect for everything that you did and, and done, man. Anything that you need, I'm here for sure. Man, I, thank you, man. To, to PPI, to the Dream Chasers Tour this year, all the guys going on that, man. Kill it. Thank you, brother. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops and Recruiting YouTube channel where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want help putting together a Blue Chip Blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.